pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. teaching on, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And we're going to continue teaching on that this morning, so turn with me to John chapter 13, the gospel of John chapter 13, and we're going to read the 31st through 35th verse, and I'll be reading in the New King James Version. So when he, Jesus, had gone out from the upper room where they had just had what is referred to as the Last Supper, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you should also love one another. By this, the love we have one for another, will all know that you are my disciples or my followers, if you have love for one another. So we're going to continue talking about love and the love walk, but I'm talking about real love, the God kind of love. I'm not talking about the world's kind of superficial, fickle kind of love. Because if you look at the way the world uses the word love, they use it so loosely, and we use it so often that its meaning has been watered down to the point where it really holds no true value, at least in this society or this generation. I love your new hairdo. I love those shoes. I love pizza. I love cheesecake. I love french fries. I love this water. I love my new car. I love my new rhino lining in the trunk of my car. <laughs> I love that TV show. I love my dog. So you see, we use this pretty loosely, and we use it for just about everything. And as a result, it's become meaningless. Uh, and, and, you know, what's the big deal about that? Well, the big deal is this. When we say, I love God, or I love my wife, or I love my husband, or I love my children, I don't know how much you love them. I can't tell how much you love them because you say it with the same commitment that you would say, I love a cheeseburger. And so, uh, you know, the New Testament was written in the Greek and the Aramaic language, so... Uh, it's a far more superior language than the English language. And, for example, the Greek language has at least four different words for love and four different definitions. At least. There's actually more, but the four major ones that we use, uh, where the English language has just one word for love. We lump everything into that one word, love. And it incorporates all of the Greek definitions and meanings for the word love in the one. For example, you say, I love my wife 
or I love pizza, but I can't tell which one you love more because you use the same word. And you usually say it with the same amount of commitment or intensity. But in the Greek language, you wouldn't use the same word for love in these two sentences. You would be able to choose a word that would show the intensity or the degree of that love. And uh, that's what's so great about the Greek language. You'd be able to indicate that the love for your wife is greater than your love for pizza. You better anyway. I'll use the same word for both of them. But briefly, the four different Greek words and meanings that describe love are agape, or we say agape, eros, philia, and storge. Agape is the highest form of love. It's the God kind of love. It's the kind of love that God loves us with and the kind of love that we should have for God. And it's the kind of love that you would be willing to die for. Now, I hope you're not willing to die for a good cheeseburger or pizza or something like that. But agape is a word used to express the unconditional love that God has for his children. Number two, eros, means a type of love that mostly describes romance. It's a romantic type of love. And it also describes a sexual passion. It's where we get our word erotic. And the modern Greek word actually means intimate love. And then number three is philia. It means affectionate regard, uh, a friendship, usually between equals. And philia is expressed as loyalty to friends. It's a brotherly love. It's like the, the city of Philadelphia was named after that. Uh, uh, Philadelphia is known as the uh, city of brotherly love. And then uh, storge, number four, means love, affection, and especially of parents and children. It's a family type of love in a way. It's a common or natural love like that is felt by parents for their children and vice versa. Now, don't get me wrong. You can have agape love for your father, your mother, your children. It's not that you don't have it. This is a general uh, definition of love. It's used exclusively for relationships within a family. And it can also be used when referencing your love for your country or your favorite sports team. You can say, I love America. You would use the word storge. I storge America. Uh, I, I storge or I love the Cubs or whatever your sport team is. So you can easily identify that you're not willing to die for the Cubs and you're not willing to die for uh, some of the other things that you would use the word storge for. This is the word that you'd use for cheeseburgers and pizza and fried chicken and cheesecake and french fries. And it's gonna be a while before lunch, so I'm just sparking your appetite up a little bit. But Jesus said that we're to love one another the way that he loved us. Now, what type of love do you think Jesus loved us with? Agape. Agape love. And his love is not superficial. It's not fickle. It's not like the world's love. It's the kind of love that one would die for, and he did. Uh, that's a love that's so powerful, it's hard for us to even comprehend. And it's certainly not the kind of love that we would love food with or we love our car with or we love different things like that with. Jesus said, I give you a new commandment. You must love, agape, each other as I loved, agape, you. 
But before he said that, he mentioned himself and the Father and glory five different times. Now remember I said when we interpret scripture, we have to read it in context. Don't just take an individual scripture and build a doctrine on it, but read it within its context. Read it within the book. Read it within the chapter. Read it within the entire Bible to make sure that it corresponds that way throughout the entire Bible. And then you can take it to the bank. You can build a doctrine on it. And what he's talking about uh, when he's saying glory and love, they come together. And so uh, what it has to do with loving one another is God and Jesus are going to be glorified through the love that we demonstrate to one another. That's how you bring glory to God. You know, uh, Jesus, it said that Jesus was going to be glorified immediately. Well, the next thing in his life was crucifixion. How does that, that bring glory? Because he was crucified because of his love for us. And because of his love for us, it brought glory to him and it brought glory to the Father because of the reason, not the crucifixion, but the reason that he was being crucified was because he loved us. So when we demonstrate his word, uh, his uh, love to the world, we bring glory to him. Now, last summer, we would go to Ethan and Tyler's baseball games. Remember that, honey? Sitting in the sun. How wonderful it was. And Ethan would get on base, and I'd say, glory. And then he'd steal a base. I'd say, glory. <laughs> Tyler made a shoestring catch on the run of a fly ball in left field that won the game. I said, oh, glory. <laughs> Why? I, and Because he brought glory to me. I felt glory because of what they did. I was so proud. And, uh, you know, what's that got to do with God? Well, God, he, of course, he doesn't have any grandkids, but he's got a lot of children. Yes. And when we do something that pleases him, yes. like walking in love towards one another, he says, glory. And then when we forgive one another and walk in love, he says, oh, gl glory. Yes. See, this brings glory to God, just like them boys brought glory to me at them baseball games. I was proud. That's my grandkid out there made that catch. That's my grandkid stealing all them bases out there, you know. I was glorified. And that's the way God is when we obey his commandments, and we walk in love, God gets glory from it. Jesus gets glory from it. So in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So what's your good works? You're walking in love. You're helping people. You're forgiving people. You're loving one another. He says that you let your light shine and glorify God by obeying his commandments. He looks down and says, look at there. He's walking in love. He's obeying my commandments. Glory. Hallelujah. And I know, I know that for a fact because right after that, he gave us instructions on how we're to behave as his children. He ended his sermon with, you have heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor. And he said, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. See, it includes everybody. We don't, you know, when he says love your neighbor, that means everybody. That means those that are nearby. 
So anybody here nearby, you owe them love. Why? That you may be identified as the children of your Father which is in heaven. For if you love them which love you, which is a fickle love, because it's conditional. God's love is unconditional, but you place a condition on it. If you love me, I'll love you. If you don't love me, I won't love you. But he says, what, what, what reward have you? The sinners do the same thing. Sinners love one another. But our love has to be extraordinary. It has to be different than that of the sinner. Because we're loving, loving at a higher level. We're loving on God's level. We're loving with an agape love. Where we're willing to lay our life down for our brothers and sisters. So glorifying God is directly related to the love we have towards one another. Remember last week we said Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, the Ten Commandments. He came to fulfill them. And he did. He was the only one that obeyed every one of the Ten Commandments and all their sub-commandments. You know, each commandment has several other commandments underneath it. I mean, it expanded to like some... 650 or 850 different laws that the Jews had to obey. They couldn't even keep track of them. I mean, you can't obey a law unless you know it. You can't be a good driver unless you learn how to drive good. Amen? Amen. And in order to, to be able to do these things, you have to know what they are. Well, the Jews didn't memorize all those laws. They just, you know, uh, they just... We're going to send and bring their offering to the priest and offer a sin or a guilt offering and, and then go about their life. Just in case I sin, here, here's an offering. But we know, we know for sure. We only have one commandment to worry about, and that is to walk in love. And if we walk in love, we fulfill the commandment just like Jesus did. How? As he loved us. We walk in love as he loved us. And when we do, we glorify God. He says, I give you a new commandment. Uh, you know, what does that mean, a new commandment? I mean, love is certainly not anything new. And the same John that wrote the gospel in, in 2 John, uh, the letter, 2 John letter in chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, the same John that wrote the gospel says this, I'm writing to remind you, dear friends, this is in the New Living Translation, that we should love one another. This is not a new commandment, but one we've had from the beginning. God always required love. And then in verse 6 says, love means doing what God has commanded us, and he has commanded us to love one another, just as you heard from the beginning. So remember, Israel had the Ten Commandments. We only have one commandment. He says, but I give you a new commandment that we love one another. And a lot of Christians, like I said last week, think that the Ten Commandments have been done away with, that we don't have to worry about them anymore. We don't have to obey the Ten Commandments, but it's not true. They've just been fulfilled. They haven't been abolished. We are still required to live by the Ten Commandments. Yeah. But what God did was consolidated all the commandments into one commandment. He said, listen. If you do this one commandment, you've fulfilled all the commandments. You've fulfilled the law. Yes. Uh, just like Jesus did. He fulfilled the law by obeying them. We fulfill the law by obeying the one commandment or the one law that we have, and that's to walk in love toward one another. 
Just like Jesus didn't abolish the Ten Commandments, we can't either. I have to repeat that because we think that, oh, well, I'm not subject to the Old Testament law. I'm not subject to the Old Ten Commandments. God never said anything he didn't mean. And if it was a sin in the Old Testament, it's still a sin in the New Testament. Yes. It's just that he gave us a better way out. Yes. See, he knew. I mean, the purpose of the Ten Commandments, uh, you can look at it as though it was a 12-inch ruler and we were only 8 inches tall. We could never measure up to the law. That was the purpose of him giving us the law to show us that we couldn't possibly fulfill it in ourselves and that we needed a savior. So when Jesus did come on the scene, we say, phew, somebody to represent me, somebody to take my place, somebody to fulfill the commandments that I've never been able to fulfill. And then he comes into me and then I go into him and we become one. And everything he did, I did. When he died on Calvary, I died on Calvary. When he was buried, I was buried. When he rose, I rose. I mean, I'm identified with him now. It's personal between us. He made it that way. And, and you know, when, when Adam sinned and fell, then everything that he did came into us. So God sends Jesus as a man because that's how we lost it was through a man. So we had to get it back through a man. That's why Jesus had to be the word made flesh. He had to be incarnate. And he comes down here, and everything that God put into Jesus, he put into us, just like Adam did. It's only fair. That's why he's called the second Adam. All this stuff was a setup for the devil. I mean, when Adam fell, we fell. So it only stands the reason that when Jesus rose, we rose. When Jesus was declared righteous, we were declared righteous. God established that precedence back with Adam and Eve. He, he established the uh, resurrection and the crucifixion back when Abraham was going to obediently sacrifice Isaac on the same hill that Jesus was crucified on. God was setting precedence. How many know God is a smart God? Yes, now, here's the hard, hard part. He's smarter than you and me. Amen. I know you find that hard to believe sometimes, but he is. He's smarter than both of us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So anyway, Romans 13, 8 through 10, it says, Owe nothing to anyone. Remember I said last week, that don't mean you can't make a loan for a car or something. Right. But he's saying, except for your obligation to love one another. In other words, you don't have to make a loan. You don't have to owe another man something. But you have to owe love. You owe love. You have to pay love. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say, you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. It's like I said, he put all the commandments into the one. And then in verse 10, he says, love does no wrong to others. So, Love fulfills the requirements of, the, of God's law or the Ten Commandments. So if I walk in love like I'm commanded to do, then I will never break any of the Ten Commandments. At least I shouldn't want to break them. Amen? Because I got the love of God in me. 
Why would I want to covet my neighbor's wife or covet his good? Why would I want to steal, kill, or murder? Why would I want to put another God before me? I have a new nature. I have the love of God in me, and I'm walking in love, fulfilling all those laws, because I don't want to do them anymore. The Lord made it clear that walking in love was not a suggestion. He said, a new commandment I give you. We don't, we don't have a choice. In other words, he's commanded us to do that. And if, we're, if we love him, we'll obey his laws. That's how we prove our love for him. And just like with any law, we have a choice as to whether or not we'll obey it or not. See, that's the problem with the free will. That's the problem with free moral agency like Adam had. He had a choice, and he made a bad choice. He chose to disobey God. He sinned against God by choice. The devil didn't force him. Eve didn't force him. Nobody made him. A suggestion was made, and he grabbed it. He made a bad decision. He made a bad choice. And that's what we do in our life. We, have, we make choices every day, some good, some bad. But if you got the love of God in you, you're going to make a choice that pleases God. Because you want to please God, right? Yes. That's why we're here this morning. We want to be pleasing to God. But we have a choice. It's just like, let me give you examples. What's the speed limit on the Snyder? 65? How fast do you drive? Arrest my case. Nobody forces you to. I, I tell my wife all the time, I'm just going with the traffic, honey. As long as I'm going with the traffic, I can't be speeding. Yeah, she's and the speed now I'm saying 77, 78. <laughs> I did that by choice, though. The traffic, the flow of the traffic didn't force me to do it, didn't make me do it. I did it because I wanted to. So... <laughs> When someone commands you to do something, even when the Lord commands you to do something, you have a choice. Amen. You can either obey it or disobey it. And you say, sometimes I don't feel like doing certain things. Like, I don't feel like driving 65 when everybody else is doing 80 around me. I'm a hazard. That's why I speed up. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be a hazard. Whatever. <laughs> But here's the thing about making choices. There doesn't have to be a feeling or an emotion attached to it. Right. There can be, but you don't go by feelings. You don't make choices based on how it makes you feel. You make a choice to do what's right because you love God. Amen. Amen. And this is where a lot of us miss it. Because if we only love because there's a feeling or an emotion attached to it, then our love is just like the world. It's yeah. fickle. It's conditional. As long as you make me feel warm and fuzzy, I will love you. But as soon as the warm and fuzzy feelings stop, I'm going to find somebody else that will make me feel warm and fuzzy. Amen. It's the truth. I mean, we don't go by feelings. Love is a choice. You choose to love somebody. And God helps you to love them. And, and when you can't come up with no uh, human love for somebody, God has given you his love. Love them with his love until you can generate some human love. Real love, Bible love, agape love is not based on a feeling. It's based on a decision. And real love is sacrificial. It's selfless. 
Fake love or fickle love that the world has is conditional and is very selfish. It's selfish love. All it's worried about is what you can do for me. And it never worries about what I can do for you. That's the way the world loves. Conditional. The more you can do for me, the more I love you. But if you can't do anything for me, there's no gain in loving you. I don't love you. I didn't think Pastor Ed was going to be out here, so I had to <laughs> tone this down a little bit. But Pastor Ed and I have been together 57 years. And it hadn't all been warm and fuzzy, as it, Pastor Ed, as it might. We haven't always had a warm and fuzzy feelings towards each other. <laughs> Amen. I haven't seen the quill but we made a decision that we were going to love each other no matter what. And we set some guidelines and rules. We said we will never use the word divorce in our family. I don't care how heated the argument gets or if we have a fist fight, we will not use the word divorce. And we never did, did we? We made a commitment that we would work it out no matter what the problem was. We would do whatever it takes to work it out. And I'm telling you, you know, all those years weren't warm and fuzzy, but we stuck it out and we stuck together even during the cold and prickly times. Amen. Why? Because we made a choice. It was a choice to love one another. And we will be together till Jesus comes or we go by way of the grave. How do I know that? Because that's what I made up my mind to do. That's what commitment is. Amen? That's what God would do. That's what agape love is. People say, well, it's 50-50. No, it ain't. It's 100-100. Right. If, if uh, your wife is only giving 50 or your husband's only giving 50, that means you have to give 150. Yep. You got to give it all if necessary sometimes. But that's what agape love does. Jesus gave it all. Yes. God gave it all. Yes. Amen? Amen. See, in uh, John 3, 16, for example, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What if God waited until we made him feel warm and fuzzy? He'd still be waiting and we'd still be lost. He didn't wait to give his son to the world, to give his everything to the world. Jesus didn't wait until we made him feel warm and fuzzy. The Bible says that in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we were cold and prickly, when we were ugly, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to make him feel warm and fuzzy or any other kind of way. He died for us the way we were, ugly, cold, and prickly. Amen. God's agape love, the kind that we're to love with is a compassionate love and it always seeks the well-being of another person. And this has to do with laying our lives down like Jesus did. It might not be a physical death, but you have to set your life aside sometimes to, to meet the needs of somebody else. That's what's called laying your life down for somebody else. And, and that's regardless of who they are or how they make you feel. You owe them love because God loved you. Jesus loved you. And Jesus said we love them the same way. How? By giving of ourselves. 
laying our life aside and helping them. In Matthew 22, 37, the religious leaders are trying to set a trap for Jesus, get him to say something that they could accuse him of. And they asked him, Lord, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus told them, you must love, uh, first of all, the Lord your God, how? With all your heart, yes. all your soul, all your mind. That's the first commandment. This, uh, the second is equally important. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law, verse 40, the Ten Commandments and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Everything is based on these two commandments. Walking in love is the foundation for everything that was said or done. And we're to love our neighbors as much as we love ourselves. And that's a whole lot of love. If you don't believe me, just look on Facebook. You will see how much people love themselves. And your mirror at home, I wish it could talk and I borrowed it for a couple hours. <laughs> we find out how much we love ourselves. My point is this, that's a whole lot of love. <laughs> if we love our neighbors like ourselves, we'd be willing to die for them. Because you die for yourself. <laughs> I, was real, I was doing real good till now. <laughs> now watch this. John 13, 34 again. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as much as I have loved you. That's how you're to love one another. Verse 35. By this. By what? By the love that we have one for another. All will know that you are my disciples, my followers, my brothers and sisters, if you have love one for another. So how does, how does the world know you, you're a follower of Christ? Because of the love that we demonstrate. It's not just saying, I love you. It's demonstrating that love. Love is an action word. So in other words, your love for God and one another will make you an advertising agent for the kingdom of God, for God himself, and for Jesus. You'll be an advertising agency. You go around the world advertising for Jesus because you're demonstrating love towards one another. You're advertising for the kingdom of God by the love you have for one another. You're making the kingdom of God attractive. That's what advertising does. You watch a commercial on television, and all they're doing is making that thing attractive to you so that you'll buy it. Well, when you're walking in love towards one another, you're making the kingdom of God look attractive to the, to the lost world because it looks good to them. And they're going to say, just like the thing you've seen on that commercial, they're going to say, I need that. And they'll do everything they can to get it. I'm telling you, you see a new gadget on television? And all of a sudden, you've never seen this gadget before, but all of a sudden, you have a need for it. You have to have that thing. What is it? I'm not sure. They haven't gave the name yet, but I need it. I used to do that with tools all the time. I didn't know what the thing was, but I needed that sucker. I had a place for it in my, on my wall and by the workbench, you know. Whether I ever used it or not, I needed it. And that's, I mean, that's the way, that's good advertising right there. So if you're a good advertiser, you'll make people hungry for what you have. Amen. 
But if you look and act just like the world, they don't have no interest in that. They already got that. You got to show them something different and better. Convince them that it's different and better. Paul told us in Romans 5, 5, the agape love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. The very love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What's that mean? That means I have God's nature in me now. And God is love. God doesn't love. God is love. And I have that kind of love inside of me. Don't tell me you can't love your brother and sister just because you don't like them. Maybe you can't love them with human love, but you can love them with God's love. And it's in there for you to use. So you love them by faith. And like I said last week, sometimes from a distance. You know, uh, there's people I don't want in my life. I'm just going to be real plain. Is that all right? There's people I don't want in my life. That don't mean I don't love them. That doesn't mean if they had a need, I wouldn't do everything I could to help them. I would. And then I'd go back to my place and they go back to their place. But I still love them. And I said last week that love doesn't mean you get walked on or kicked around or slapped around. You don't turn the other cheek. That's not what love means. Love means that you're willing to give of yourself to help them in their time of need. And I would do that for even my enemies. Amen. And I love them the best way I knew how. And then we'd separate. Because I don't want them in my life. Amen. I got to spend a couple minutes here. I know that's a fine line. And you got to really know what you're talking about. You got to really know inside it's not just a mechanical thing that you're doing. But you're doing it because you really love them. And you're loving them with the love of God. And you're doing it. You're helping them because God will do that. God will help them. You got to make sure that you're doing it out of love. Or it don't count. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I've come to the place in my life where I could do that. I could love somebody that I don't like. And I would do I would do anything I could to help them if they had a real need. I would. Amen. So with this kind of love, the kind of love that God gave me, I didn't generate this myself. He gave it to me. I can love people that I don't like. How many knows it's easier to love somebody you like? Yes. But you're bordering on fickle. You're bordering on worldly, superficial, fake love. Yes, you because there's a, even though it's small, there's an underlying condition. Yeah. I have to like you before I can love you. Yes. But how about if it's somebody that you hated all your life? Mm-hmm. Can you love them? With God's love, you can. You can love them whether you like them or not because you chose to love them. You choose to love them. All right, I'm going to get down to the nitty-gritty now. You know, as I look around the church world, the international church, the world church, or the universal church, and uh, the local church, and yes, even this church, 
To be honest with you, I don't see that kind of love. I don't. I mean, I'm not saying that nobody has it. I'm just saying overall, I don't see that kind of love. And if you say you love God, then that kind of love should be in every one of us. Every one of us without exception. If you're sitting here saying you love God, then this kind of love should be in you. And it should be demonstrated in you. The kind of love that Jesus is talking about. But I don't see people loving God with all their heart, all their soul, all their mind. And I see a lot of people have a conditional love for God, which means that they're still loving with that superficial, fickle love that comes from the world. They haven't made the, the uh, differentiation between the two. And I don't see people loving one another as Christ loves us. I don't even see it among families. I know a lot of you personally, this, you know, so I'm not being spiritual or prophesying or anything because I know in a natural, a lot of you don't get along with your own family. Just trying to be honest here. There's infighting going on in almost every family. Not only this church, but all over. There's Whether it's a distant cousin, a brother-in-law, an uncle, or something, there's some kind of infighting in every family. But here's the thing. If you can't love in your family or you can't love your family, you certainly ain't going to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Because they're somewhat below your family. Mm -hmm. You know, generally speaking. But here's the thing. You can't love God either. Amen. We have a hard time loving certain people. And that's nothing but a bunch of flesh. That keeps us from loving the way we're supposed to. And one of the main reasons is because of jealousy or envy. You don't like people because there's something about them that's better than you. Whether it's something they have or the way they actually are. And so you just naturally, nature, human nature just resents that. And it will cause a separation. And, and that's why I said before, it's a fine line because you have to be separated for the right reasons. See, you're separated because you don't love. But you have to be, you, you can separate, but you still have to love. <laughs> I don't think I'm making myself clear, but we do have a hard time loving certain people, even in our own family. I know y'all are thinking of examples. I know you. <laughs> but it's more serious than we think, because that's one of the reasons why there's lack in your life. We lack things in life, and we're not prospering the way God wants us to. And one of the things we lack in our life is healing. Mm -hmm. And it's because you lack it in your love walk. Remember, we had communion last week, and I told you that uh, there was something in, in Paul's dissertation on communion that said that uh, for this reason, some of you are weak and sick, and some of you have died prematurely. What reason? Because you don't. Consider with due appreciation the body of Christ that's sitting all around you right now. You don't recognize them with due appreciation and you don't walk in love towards them. And that causes sickness, weakness, and, and even death in some cases. 
That's serious, isn't it? And, you know, the main reason is because we're not walking in love like we're commanded to. And if you can't rejoice when somebody else is getting blessed, yes, yes. that's going to hurt you. Yes, it is. Amen. Yes. And I'm not talking being superficially. Nope. You know, your brother gets a new car, you should be rejoicing Amen. out of your heart. Right. You should be really happy for them. Mm -hmm. And not saying, how could they get a new car? He don't even go to church. I go to church. I pay tithes. I love the Lord. And he gets a new car? Uh-uh. Be careful. God will jerk the slacks off of you. That's one of the reasons you will never get a new car. You don't know how to rejoice when somebody else gets blessed. Let's turn to John, to 1 John, chapter 3 for a minute. Again, this is the same John that wrote the Gospel of John. And he's called the Apostle of Love because he wrote about love more than all of the other apostles did. He, he used the word love 62 times in his writings. 62 times. So in 1 John 3, 10 through 18 in the ERV, He says, so we can see who God's children are and who the devil's children are. How do you tell the difference between God's children and the devil's children? He's going to tell you. These are the ones who are not God's children, those who don't do what is right, and those who do not love their brothers and sisters in God's family. That's the devil's children. I didn't say it. John did Verse 11 says, this is the teaching you have heard from the beginning. We must love each other. Don't be like Cain. He belonged to the evil one. Cain killed his brother. But why did he kill him? Because what Cain did was evil and what his brother did was good. Brothers and sisters, don't be surprised when the people of this world hate you. Now, that's a big problem for a lot of Christians because we don't even want to be disliked let alone hated. We want to be popular. Come on. We want to be everyone's friend. Come on. Like Pastor S says, as a parent, we want to be our children's friend, but that don't help your children. They don't need you to be a friend. They need you to be a parent. Amen. They, can, they can make plenty of friends, yes, but they need somebody to keep that train on the track. You know That's what I'm saying? It. Come on. So we don't want to be ridiculed, persecuted, or made to feel uncomfortable for being a Christian. And that's why a lot of Christians try to blend in with the world. I call them camouflage Christians. You can't tell they're Christians. They're uh, they dress like the world, talk like the world, have hairdos like the world, their bodies pierced and tattooed like the world. They listen to the world's music. And even bring it into the church and play it in the church. A lot of churches playing worldly music. And there's Christians in other parts of the world today that are dying for their faith and their commitment to Jesus Christ. And we won't come to church on a regular basis for him. Hey, I already got your mail. I'm out of just let it rip. We won't sacrifice for him. We won't tithe for him. We won't witness for him, let alone die for him. We're supposed to lay our lives down for one another, but 
A lot of Christians in this country won't cross the street to help somebody. Amen. Jesus said our love should not only be in words and talk. He said, no, our love must be real. We must show our love by the things we do. Jesus said that. And this is how you lay your life down for others, by helping them in their time of need. That's what love would do. We're going to look at the definition of love maybe next week. I don't know. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. Uh, for a homework assignment, start reading that. If you can, read it in the Amplified Classified, A-M-P-C edition. It has the best, it, it really brings it to light. But that doesn't tell you, uh, it not only tells you what love is, it tells you what love does, how love acts, how love behaves. Because we're going to study that. Because we really need to know what love really is and what love does in certain situations. And love will help anybody, even if they don't know them, even if it's their enemy. Love will help them. Yes, will. Love will show up. And this is how you lay your life down for one another. Uh, it's because you laid your life aside to help somebody else. You gave them a piece of your life, your time, and you helped them because of love. Amen? Amen. So when you do... Like I said, you laid your life aside for them, and you glorified God. You brought glory to God. People say they love God, but yet they don't love his children. How could you love God if you don't love his children? How could you love God if you don't love his, your brothers and sisters, his children? See, if you can't love horizontally, then you certainly can't love vertically. It don't work that way. You have got to love vertically, and as a result of that love, your love for God, you will love horizontally his children. Without exception. I don't care what color. I don't care what nationality. I don't care where they came from, their size, their age. It doesn't, their hairdo doesn't make any difference. You love them all. Because God loves us all. And, you know, don't you think you're weird to God? Nobody in here measures up to God's standards. God is perfect, and you're somewhat less than perfect, but he still loves you unconditionally. He don't look for things or reasons not to love you, but we do. And, you know, a lot of times people say, hey, just because I have a problem loving somebody that did me wrong doesn't mean I, I don't love God. Oh, yes, it does. That's exactly what it means. If you can't love your brother or sister, then, uh, then that means you don't love God because that's the acetate test. See, uh, the way you prove you love God is by laying your life down or helping somebody or doing something out of love. And that's how you, you prove that you love God. That's how you, another way to prove you love God is by stepping up your level of commitment, your level of servanthood. Because the more you love somebody, the more you want to do for them. Amen. Yeah, right. You know, we love our grandchildren. And as a result of that love, I, I want to do everything that they need. I want to be there for them. God's the same way. That passed with you. You guys. 
The children, that passes. But the grandchildren, they take the place. Let's face it, we don't treat grandchildren the way we treat kids, right? <laughs> but Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. What's his commandment? That you love one another as he has loved us. So if you don't keep his commandments, that means you don't love him. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You know, Pastor had been saying for a long time now, it's time that we draw closer to God, closer to God. Because we're not as close to God as we should be. We're not as close to God as we need to be, especially in these last days. And Pastor had been saying it and saying it and saying it. But that's not what we see. We don't see people drawing closer to God. We see people pulling away from God. Yes. How do we see that? Their level of commitment, for one thing. But here's the thing. If you really want more of God, then you have to give more of yourself. That's the way the kingdom of God works. Yes. You want more of me, give more of you. And that scares a lot of people. But I'm telling you, if you give more of yourself to the things that God cares for, and you help other people, then you'll have a better relationship with God. And you'll have more blessings from God. Not that his blessings are conditional, but it's because you put yourself in a position to receive those blessings. Amen. How? Through obedience. God wants to bless everybody. He says it, it rains on the rich and the poor and the, uh, the just and the unjust, the lost and the saved. It rain, he rains on everybody. Yes. He wants to. But there's certain blessings you have to be in position for. Yes. And that's up to you. So when you give more of yourself, you'll experience more of God. Amen. Amen. People say, I want more of God. I want more of God. Give more of yourself. On second thought. <laughs> hey, if you want a better vertical position with God, then you have to have a better horizontal position with your brothers and sisters. If God wants to hug someone today, can he use your arms to do it? If God wants to pat somebody on the back today and say you did a good job, can he use your hand to do it? How about if he wants to encourage someone today, can he use your mouth and your voice to do it? Doing good, huh? What if God wants to bless someone today? Can he get in your purse or your wallet and do it? Got to be open. Pastor Ed always said, you know, if you want blessings to flow through your life, yes. you got to keep both hands open. Because yeah. as soon as you do this, yeah. the yeah. blessings stop flowing. Right. But here's what's great about God's blessing. Is there flowing through your life? You can do this. Right. As long as they keep flowing. Yep. Keep the blessings of God flowing in and out. You don't want it to you don't want to stop it up. Because right. if you block it, the blessings stop. That's how God works. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But if you have that only child, spoiled brat, I'm entitled mentality that the world has, and you're not a part of the family of God, 
And I'm talking about people that have been going to church for years. I'm going to try not to say this. Thank you, Queen. You just encouraged me to say it. I can't speak for all churches. I can speak for this one. And I can say this. If you've been coming to this church for years and you're still not walking in love, then you're nothing more than a professional visitor. Whoa. Just being honest. Hallelujah. See, because love is what connects you to this family. And if you can't walk in love towards your brothers and sisters in this house, then you're not connected to this family. I know it's tight, but it's right. By this shall all know that you are my followers by the love you have for one another. So this family is held together like any other real family by love. Love is what keeps the family together. Love is what makes the connection. And if you're not walking in love, you ain't connected. And if you're not attached to it, then no matter what you think, you're still just a visitor. Come and go as you please. Well, I, I you know, I try to give more, but I just can't. Yes, you can. That's it. Come on. Depends on what you want to give. I ain't talking about money. If you want to give more of yourself and you want to help others and you want to be a part of this family, a part of this church, you know, we have, uh, thank God I can say men and women, because it's usually just women, come here early on a Sunday morning to clean this church so that you can walk into a clean church, yep. clean the bathrooms, car uh, vacuum the carpet, dust things, and all of that stuff. So you can come in here, and you don't even know it. It happens behind the scenes. But if you want to do more, and you say you can't, uh, it's a lie. You just show up here 9 o'clock on Sunday morning, and you, boom, you're doing more. Yeah. Amen. There's things that you can give and add to this family. Dang it, I promised to go only 40 minutes today. I'm already late. Let me see here. All right, I'm going to wrap it up. John 4.20 says, If someone says I love God but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. If we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their fellow believers. So like I said, you want to prove your love for God, you got to love your brothers and sisters. That's the test. And it's time that we get this right. We've got to get this right. This is our baseline for Christianity. This is the baseline for everything. This is the foundation upon what God wanted to build the church. I know it's on Christ, but what is Christ? He's love. He's proven his love. And if we can't do this, then we don't have much of a future as a believer or as a church. And your love walk begins with your love for God. All your soul, all your heart, all your mind. It's all or nothing to God. you got to give it all. He gave it all to you. It's only fair. And if you truly love him, then you'll be able to love everyone else, including your enemies. 
Remember I said he didn't leave anybody out. He said, uh, you must love the brethren or the sister, you know, the brothers and sisters. Then you have to love your neighbors. Then you have to love your enemies. That's all. That's everybody. We're, we're, we're required to love everybody, even our enemies. And let me tell you something. If you can't love the person sitting next to you in this church, you will never love your enemy. If you can't love your family members, you'll never love anybody in this church. And if you can't love anybody, your family members, anybody in this church or your enemies, then you don't love God. That's the word. Your love walk begins with your love for God. And if you truly love him, then you'll be able to love everyone. Everyone, even the people you don't like. And you prove it by your level of commitment. They're not going to like me today, Pastor. Your attitude, your attendance, your service, and your obedience. That's how you prove your love for God. And I don't know who you have a problem with today, but I know you got a problem with somebody. Maybe, maybe even God. You may even have a problem with God. You know, people get mad at God. I've gotten mad at God myself. I was wrong. You're wrong if you're mad at God for anything. Because God's not your enemy. No. That's right. God loves you. He wants yes. the best for you. Yes. And if you're mad at God for any reason, it's because you're unknowledgeable about something. Or you just don't realize how much he loves you. But whether you're mad at somebody in your family, in this church, mad at God, I don't care who it is, somebody did you wrong, this would be a good opportunity for you to get that under the blood. Because I believe there's an anointing here for that. Yes. Amen? Amen? I don't care who it is. Get it under the blood. Amen. I'm going to say a prayer, and all you got to do is agree with me. And we'll get this under the blood. We'll change our walk. Amen? Amen? Yes. We need to change our walk. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our lives depend on it, really. Father, we thank you. We praise you. Lord, you're amazing. Yes, you are. The things you do for us, have done for us, are doing now, and the things you're about to do in the future, all I can say is it's amazing. You're awesome. You're an awesome, awesome God. And if we could just realize the love that you have for us and the length you're willing to go for us. You told us if uh, somebody forces us to walk a mile with them, go ahead and walk too. Well, you've done that for us. You do the same for us. Because that's how you are. You won't tell us to do something you won't do yourself. And we know you love us because you proved it. You sacrificed your only son. Jesus, you proved our, your love for us because you went to the cross for us. You took our place. You became our substitute. You died for our sins. You took the stripes on your back for our healing. We didn't deserve it. And yet you did it anyway. Why? Because you loved us. And then on your way to heaven, you stop and say, a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you. And Lord, I'll be the first to admit I've failed miserably. I, as hard as I've tried, I haven't made that total commitment yet, but I'm working on it. And I am going to make it. 
I am going to love everybody, even if, and it's going to come from my heart. And Lord, that's my prayer for everybody in here because that's the kind of love that you command for us. That we love everybody with the love of God that has been shed abroad in our heart. That we love out of our hearts the way that you loved us. And that we be willing to lay our lives down to help our brothers and sisters. Help even our enemies, Lord. And I openly admit and say this in public that I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to walk in love with everybody. And I'm willing to help anybody that needs help. And I'm going to do it because I love you. And that love that you love me with is in my heart. It's my new nature now. I can't do anything else. So we thank you and praise you, Lord, that everyone that's in this place today has gotten a revelation of, of the love walk. And they're thinking of somebody right now that they need to forgive, that they need to apologize to, that they need to walk in love towards, that they need to help that they haven't helped before or have demonstrated not loving them. And we want them to know that we've changed today. I want everybody to leave here today with a different attitude, a different heart, a different knowledge of the word, a different revelation. I want them to leave here changed today. And I know they can do it because you put it in their hearts. So we ask you, God, to help us to forgive and help us to love the way Jesus forgave and loves us. We thank you for it. We expect nothing less. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. and amen. amen. Hallelujah. 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 Something changed in here today. Yes. I hope you felt that. It needs to change. It's, you know, just saying I love God or I love your brother, I love your sister, that's not going to fly anymore. You got to demonstrate it. It's got to be real. Amen? Amen. Amen. Prove it. When you say you love someone, prove it. You say you love God, prove it. How? By, by loving your brothers and sisters. By loving your enemy. By helping those that are in need. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. I love y'all. See you Wednesday. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.